recording. <laughs> I ain't forgetting. Although, let me try.
I only usually wear sweaters on weekends because, like, what what am I going to do? Wear a hockey sweater to the warehouse? Looks like somebody popped in. What's we're, up, people? We're not quite live yet. but <laughs> We're I getting saw, there. I saw people sitting there. I was like, oh, they might not want just the blank screen with no audio. <laughs> like, forever. Let's keep you company while you're here. Oh, I'm apparently one of those people. I'm sharing the link. <laughs> I should probably put a stream starting soon on your little guy with the Carson jersey. Yes, I know. I reached out to Homegirl over the weekend. was like, hey, like, Buddy's been on two teams now since the pod started. <laughs> like, I don't want to be I'm not trying to harass here, but. You said you'd do it? Yeah, so we, we could use an update. I just want to... Sh give me the link, please. I also am like, since I don't drink anymore, should the beer be changed to like a Powerade bottle? <laughs> <laughs> like a naked juice? Ooh, it could be a coffee. I drink coffee all the time now. I'm just going to have to type it out. Damned these times. <laughs> Actually, yeah, early night would be good because I got to run and grab shit for dinner on the way. So, like, you go to the grocery store, man, you spend a boatload of money on groceries, and then you get like one thing in your head, and you're like, I want this. That's where I'm at. Like, there's so much food at the fucking house. <laughs> but, like, we were talking about one thing, and I was like, oh my God, that sounds so good. I'll stop on the way back. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Make sure this is loaded up. All right. I'm I'm putting you guys back to the, hey, we're waiting screen. We, You'll hear us in just a minute. Stand by. Some people's, some coach. Boom, let's watch the videotape. What a guy. I think it's awesome. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. <laughs> that will I never awesome. not be the best thing Boom, I've ever let's heard. let's watch the videotape. He sounds like, yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. put it <laughs> looking like another grease ball night in philly 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 Thanks. here we are episode 89 of the grease ball podcast tuesday edition kids thank you for being here however you're taking part we are live on twitch 
You can also find us on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you so pod is uh, where you can find us. Boom, let's watch the videotape. <laughs> His voice never fails to put me in a good mood. What a guy. What a fucking guy. What a fucking guy, man. I think it's awesome. We think so, too. <laughs> right? Who doesn't? And then, of course... Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. The trifecta. Right? He, uh... What a guy, man. What a guy. Like, I wonder how much of himself he's giving to, like, this time of year. Because you got the wives. He's busy with them. But drafts a month away, too. Like, if you're him... He's a pro. So you know, like, football's always on the mind. That's true. But so is Tiffany always forever. as she should be yeah. yeah and it's like well what do you do when it's the off season because it's supposed to be tiffany time now i'm and sure like you know whatever moment is not draft related is tiffany time as it should be right as it should be yeah balance because, is uh balance is necessary but also overrated i wonder if like he's watching tape on tiffany time like if do you think tiffany Ooh. is probably cool with sure coach we can watch some tape so I think I think the way it probably works, I've got them on a love seat. Um yeah. I've got them on a love seat, skylight overhead, um popcorn in her lap. She's got her feet on his lap. He's giving her a foot rub. What and guy. uh what a guy. <laughs> and he's got handy wipes next to him, so before he dips his hand in the popcorn bucket, her foot germs are cleaned off. He doesn't want her eating her own feet. Yeah, totally. So yeah. he's okay with it. Yeah. He's like I, I've got him. What do you think his pet names are? Ooh, let's give a listen. Like, to him. let's give a listen to him and see if we can figure it out. Boom! Let's watch the videotape. So he's like, oh, it's a man. higher register. I was Sweetie gonna say, like, it's in that not a bad thing. I was gonna say, like, I think our guy's too good to be a babe, dude, because yeah. those are the worst. <laughs> but his voice—that's the first one that came to mind. I was like, oh, hey, babe. Let's see if we can envision it. Babe. Let's watch the videotape. Babe, let's watch the videotape. <laughs> Bring your feet over here. Uh, yeah. One of the two. Sweetie's a good one, too. I think it's in that realm. It's got to be, yeah. I don't think he's out thinking the room here, but I'd like to give our guy a little more credit than being basic AF. You know? Clearly, he's creative. His first three play calls as a head coach were the same fucking play. <laughs> so, there's that. Um... So, yeah, draft stuff to come, kids. It's draft season, so we'll get to that. Um, in the interim, man, changes happened over the weekend for your boys' hockey team that is straight cheeks. Ooh. Like. I didn't even realize it until today. Yeah. I actually almost picked him up because he was a free agent. He is on waivers in, in our fantasy hockey league. Yeah. He's available. Um, the hot new commodity, the hot acquisition of the, the Florida Panthers, the Ice Cats. Uh, that's where our captain of 15 years got traded to. And that's crazy. It is. I I never thought, like, the world would be in a situation where the Flyers were sellers at the trade deadline to try to send a dude to the Florida Panthers to win a cup. <laughs> like, what the hell are we doing, man? What, what has become of this team? But uh, it's sad, dude. Like, you knew it was coming. He played his thousandth game last Thursday, like you knew it was coming. Man. He didn't. He didn't travel with the team. The deadline was Monday. You knew it was coming, but like we found out Saturday night, and I was just like, like it was right before we went to some friends' houses and or fr- 
friend's house. Not plural. They don't own one. Just or they don't own two. Just one. Just one. Yep. Uno. And it's like, okay, well, where'd he go? And I'd actually like I was talking to my Sean about it the other day. I was like, kind of like see him go to Florida. They're like the Avs or somewhere. Yeah. Like not, please not Toronto or somebody like that. Somebody you know what I mean? Hate. Yeah. So I mean, we don't like Florida, but like it's it's not hate levels. It's just like. Why is there a hockey team in Orlando called why the Panthers? You, yeah, why are you there? Yeah. Why are there two there, actually? Yeah. You yeah. know? But they send them to the one that, you know, did... Shrug? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, okay, um, very weird seeing him in Panthers gear, for sure. But he was so underappreciated by Flyers fans, dude, like, because Philly, and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. 15 what years. What have you done for me lately? Yeah, and, like, it's not just him that sucks. Yeah. The whole team, okay? And though, though y'all have, we were flip flopping back and forth for the worst. Yep. Seems like we've taken the cake. <laughs> yeah, I dude, It's, it's so, I, I just like, at this point, I'm like, cool. Another lottery pick. Like maybe, maybe we'll get lucky and pick two again. Like yeah. you, you guys picked one, you took Heischer and we took Nolan Patrick. Heischer's your captain. Now we traded yeah. Nolan Patrick to Nashville. I believe he was there for about. 10 seconds and they trade him to vegas that's where our number two pick went from that year yours is your captain so hey at least at least one of our teams has quasi stability yes we have none we're owned by a corporation and the trading of claude Giroux signals that like this is a failure yeah it's probably over this is a failure that's crazy too because like uh you know cusp of playoffs last year hopes yeah. of playoffs this year yeah completely two years ago bit. we were in a game seven in the semifinals dude like we were a cup favorite going into last season mm-hmm. and now it's just pearl habit time well, blow it up you know it was all the coach's fault so. it was clearly i know right clearly it is he's just chilling you know mm. he's like doug peterson like all right you want to blame me out i'll hang out I'll hang out and collect a paycheck because you're now a soulless franchise owned by Comcast. Mm. Gross, dude. Of all the... So gross. Like, it's a soulless organization now. It sucks, dude. Like, I mean, he had to go. He had to. If he... You know, it depends on, you know, what you look at. Because you love the the idea of him retiring in your uniform. Yes. Yes. For, you know, purposes of just being a fan of the club and, and right. of him. Mm-hmm. But also as a fan of him, you want him to win something. Yeah, dude, because you know what's not going to happen in the orange and black? A cup in Claude Giroux's career yeah, anymore. Not, it's not, just not. Soon. So, I, like, it, it's crazy, though, man, because I was like, Jesus, he's been with us for 15 years. I feel so old. <laughs> 15 years, man. Like. Longest tenured captain in team history, even longer than Bobby Clark, who was like Christ. Wow! Like, and now he's now he's down in Sunrise, Florida. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. Good I for guess. you. Good for you. Go get your cup, or yeah. go get bounced in the first round, like the Panthers do oh. every single year. I can't decide which I'd rather happen. I'm rooting for him, man, just because. Because what if it's Florida and Colorado again? <laughs> Please don't do that to me. Please, no. I've made peace with both squads. Don't do that to me. Yeah, but, like, don't rub the nose in it, you know? I'd rather, like, I, that's the crazy part is, dude, like, I have a general idea of who's, this is, like, collectively the least I've paid attention to a hockey season mm-hmm. in probably my entire life, dude, because, like, 
A, life. B, the Flyers suck. So, like, like glad I wasted this money on the hockey package. <laughs> you know, money well spent. Seems like Colorado is the cinch out in the West, barring anything yeah, crazy. Them, Florida, Carolina. Carolina. I know they made some deals at the deadline. You know, like, we'll see. But I, like, for the rest of the year, call me a Panthers fan. You know, until they get bounced in a month, because yeah. that's what happens every yeah. April. We I'm get ho- excited for the Panthers, and they shit themselves. You know, I know this isn't necessarily hockey pod, but since we're on, on hockey, so the the Wild made some deals, too. They did. They got fl- uh, Flower. Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I think I saw a quote, and I I didn't research it to see if this was, uh, this was a real, like a legit quote, uh. but he was quoted as saying, I don't care where I go. I just don't want to be in this shithole. <laughs> Yo, I hope that was a real quote. Because he, <laughs> he was... He was uh, great in Vegas last season. Yeah. And uh, shed the bed in Chicago. Yeah, year. dude. Yeah, which is great because we hate the Blackhawks oh, here totally. on the pod. And, you know, Minnesota would be cool, man. Yeah, man. Minnesota would be dope. There's a lot of players I like there. Uh, Eck, I like. Yep. Kaprizov, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Fiala. I, yeah. I had Fiala up until recently. I dropped him because he didn't produce last week. And I yep. got shelled because of it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> They got. I hate Matt Zuccarello though. I hate that little that little guy. Oh, yeah. I hate that dude. What a cool name though. Matt Zuccarello. Yeah. Only in hockey do you get plural Matts. Yep. Now you're not just Matt in hockey ever. Matts. You're two Matts. Yep. I. Uh, it's weird because every time I see that goddamn logo now, we were over at my parents' house <laughs> last week or something, and my stepdad, Minnesota, he's a Wild fan, and yep. he had on like a a Minnesota Wild shirt. And I forget until every time I see it, and I saw the shirt, and I'm like, God damn, this right's a fucking bear head. <laughs> like, you forget every time, yep. dude. I don't know how Like we thought that was a wolf, both of us. No clue, dude. I don't dude. feel stupid, at least, because yeah, I was like, the only one. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was just like, oh, look, it's a shape with some, like, nature in it. Cool. <laughs> and, you know, like, I didn't even, like, know, but that, like, everybody there, and by everybody, I mean, like, my parents and V were like, you didn't know that? And I was like, no, not till like a year ago when Justin yeah. and I noticed on the pod and Joe told us. Yeah. Like, So now, like, when V was filling out her gear madness bracket, she was like, oh, wild reverse retros. That's the team you didn't know was a bear head. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> yes, it is. Also, I just thought it was forestry. Also one of the best uh, sweaters in the tournament. Oh, so good, dude. So good. I want to get uh, the sweater hookup back. Yeah. I need to... I need to I need to reach out because I remember that was one of the ones I had that I was like, yeah, Capra's off oh, first totally. retro. Yep. This is a lock. Yep. You know, that's and that's the one I had kind of want a cap, but I, I need a Capra's off. Yes, dude. I know, man. Like a reverse retro specifically. It has to be. I had I'm going to I'm going to steal this motherfucker because I had a North Star sweater. But I gave it to my stepdad because that was his team growing up. And then yeah. the Wild became – I want to say it was Neil Broton. It was either him or Dino Cicerelli, one of the two. Oh, and Those fucking names. Right? And I was just like, I rarely wear this thing. Would you like it? And he was like, uh, yeah. And now I'm like – Why did I do that? I gave away a Pet Verbeek Whaler sweater. Oh, that's got to suck. Oh, it's terrible. And it will You'd never give up a Verbeek. It'll be worse when I tell you off air whom I gave it to. Oh. Um, think Connecticut. Oh. Um, yeah, but you know, for a while as you know, your boy your boy was bulking up. Yeah. 
and it was like, I'm not, these are 1X, I'm not fitting into these anymore. Here you go, everybody. Everybody gets a sweater. It's Oprah <laughs> time. A you get yeah. a sweater. Everybody take my stuff that I can't fit into anymore because I'm disgusting. I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And now I look back that I can, like, everything 1X isn't the way it should fit yet, right. but we're 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 close like some 1x stuff is like right on hockey sweaters because they're bigger work perfectly mm-hmm. and when i was going through going in the summer yeah right exactly and it'll be yeah. sweat season in a couple weeks yep i know because disgusting in the south but i'm like man you know what i would give to have those sweaters back man. like because i have all these cool ones that i wasn't able to fit into i got mm-hmm. a vancouver flying skate trevor linden you know like and yeah, I'm like, and not to mention, we just put in an order not long ago when your boy was heavy. Yeah. And so now those are big on me. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, dude. Like, I'm just, can't I'm done. Win. I can't, I'm done. Can't win. One of them, I can't remember which one it was. I accidentally ordered a 3X. <laughs> I want to say that was the Eric Carlson shark shit. And I remember being like, putting it on, like, kind of going through my stuff, like, Okay, because a purge just happened recently. Like, I'm not all this stuff. Like, it's bigger, whatever. Let me get rid of some of it. But you can't get rid of a sweater. Yeah. And I threw it on and was like, Jesus, man. <laughs> it's a tent. That looks like I'm going to prom, man. You know? <laughs> like, the hell is going on here? But, yeah. So, hockey sweater talk. Flyers uh, Flyers are captainless now. What a bummer. That's our life. That's all. Good for us. Yes. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you, Comcast. You pieces of shit. Um, do we have? I should have. I do this all the time. Um, do we have the draft sounder ready? Dude, let me see if I can figure out which one it is. All the buttons that need to be pressed to where I can hear that sound is all good. The listeners will just have to deal with it because that sound makes me happy as fuck. It's draft season, kids. I think this is. Oh, let's. No, actually, that's not, that's not adequate. Let's do it again. Yeah, let's blare this thing. Yeah! God, that shit makes me happy. So this is actually not the last episode in March. We're not in draft month next week yet, but we're getting close. The draft is just over a month away. As you know, big, big time on the pod. This is my cocaine every year. And look, as geeked as I am that this pod has taken the direction it's taken and it's not like super serious Eagles pod anymore, we still got to make time for your boys' cocaine, yes. all right? We have to. So it's big board season, ladies and gentlemen. And the way I want to do this, this is unusual because not in my lifetime, I've been walking this earth, I guess, for 34 years as of next month. Never, ever have the birds had more than one first-round pick. Never multiple. Wow. We got three this year, dude. That's so crazy. your boys geeked. Is that uh, in part from getting rid of the ginger Judas? Yeah, it's yeah. Carson brought us back uh, an Indianapolis pick, and then we traded back last year from six to twelve, and then moved up to ten, and that gave us, I believe, San Francisco's pick. Oh. So yeah, it was. So that's that's how we acquired these three. So your boy couldn't be any happier, man. There's a lot of shit to play with, and this is a perfect year to have three picks, which we'll get into. So I want to take a look at the big board. I'm not doing an entire thing. This is only top 10 dues to try to keep this thing somewhat abbreviated. We're going to go from 10 to 1 as a top 10 list should be. Um, I'm leaving out guys that there's no way in hell are going to be there at 15. The birds pick at 15, 16, and 19. 
There's not going to be Kyle Hamilton's up here. There's no Ahmad Gardner's. Like those dudes would clearly be at the top of this big board, at least for me personally. But I'm leaving them off because there is no fucking way they're going to fall to 15. And if they do, I will jizz my shorts. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> I'm realistic. So let's go ahead and get this thing started with number 10 on the big board to start this top 10 off. Yeah, God damn, dude. That thing never gets old. It made me happy when I was young, and it still makes me happy now to this day. At number 10, Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston ah, College. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Shit happens. Shit yeah. happens. Oh, it slid to the side. Look yeah. at that. Good for uh, good for computers, man. Good for computers. Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston College. He had an awesome senior bowl week. That's where, if you've been paying attention, you've heard this name before. Um, but that's where he really became prominent, where you started seeing him climb up draft boards. Also had an impressive showing at the Combine. He's got ideal size at 6'3", 315 pounds. You hear this all the time if you played on the offensive line. Low man wins. Watch how low Zion Johnson's pads are. His pad level stays low. He maintains that wide base, those fundamentals that you want along the offensive line. He's overpowering in the run game. That's where he excels, but he's also damn good in pass pro as well. You've got versatility with him. He can transcend scheme, working in gap schemes, zone schemes, the whole nine. He can do both. He officially can get to the second level and possesses a nice pop with his initial punch. Um, he finishes blocks, which is what a concept. That's nice. We like to see that. Aside from that, throughout the combine process, not only his testing his numbers on the field, but his character and his leadership were praised by multiple teams at the combine. Zion Johnson is somebody I'm looking at, and you can you can take your pick of these guards. There's quite a there's a handful of offensive linemen at the top of this draft. You got Kenyon Green, guard out of Texas A&M. His his stock kind of slid a little bit after a less than impressive combine. He didn't have the combine that Zion Johnson did, but let's keep in mind that Brandon Brooks, an all-pro guard, retired. So that opens a tremendous need at the guard position. Like, you know, look, Lane Johnson, uh, Jordan Melotta, you've got your, and I, the Jordan Melotta thing, the fact that he's caught on, I eat shit because of that. Um, but I will gladly because he's caught on big time. You've got your bookends. Jason Kelsey's back for another year. More on that later. But so you've got your center. Landon Dickerson, I loved that pick at the time last year. He's a guard currently. He can play center as well. He can do both. But you look, Brandon Brooks being gone is is a huge, huge loss. That guy retiring. He's been injured a lot, sure. But let's not forget how important an offensive lineman is. You have three first rounders. This would be a beautiful pick for me. I don't want him at 15-16. This is one of those deals where if you get 19 for Zion Johnson might even be a little too rich, but if you've got a deal where you've taken whoever you want at 15 or 16, if you're Howie Roseman, right? Which if that's the case, God help us. But at 19, you've still got a Kenny Pickett on the board and a team that needs a quarterback comes calling and wants to move up or move into the first round again, you know, slide back into the back of the first round. This is a perfect pick. If you're looking to move back to me, I think that's part of what the benefit is of having three first rounders is you can move around. I'd rather not move up. This draft to me is a perfect draft to have three picks kind of in the middle. There's no clear cut number one, top three handful of guys in this draft, but the first round here, right in that middle range, it's a great year to have three picks in that middle range because everybody's kind of jammed up together. 
So if you get a deal to move back, some team look up looks is looking to move up to take a quarterback or likes a receiver, whatever, slide back, get your eye on Johnson. Great showing at the combine. That's what sees what caused his stock to start rising. I've got him at number ten. Number nine, Penn State bias, Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. <laughs> I should learn. It's all good, man. Look. All things cease. Hey, we can, when I dip, you dip, we dip. Give me that sound all the time. I'm good. Look, as a Penn State guy, somebody that watches every single one of Penn State's game, sure, maybe this is biased. I've got him a little higher than most people, sure. But if, if you watch, if you know enough about him, you know that he's consistently improved over his three years at Penn State. Brisker's versatile, he's athletic, he's tough, he plays incredibly instinctively, which you can't, instincts are something you can work on, but you either have them or you don't in a lot of, in a lot of, a lot of cases. Brisker has them. He's got NFL safety size, 6'1", 200 pounds. He's technically sound. He's one of these guys that's a good chess piece for the secondary. He's a tough defender in the box, either in run support. You can send him on a blitz, and he makes an impact that way as well. You can plug him in at any safety role, and he'll he'll make shit happen. He finishes tackles, willing tackler. You could visibly see the game come to him more as his playing time went on at Penn State. Um, that's one of the things that really stood out to me was over his tenure with the Nittany Lions, you could see the game start coming to him more and more naturally. Um, his understanding of the game, it kind of slowed down in front of him. As a safety, you're the last line of defense, and you could see he was processing everything that happened in front of him very well. Uh, you know, good ball skills as well for a safety. And this is a guy that's tough. He fits in perfect in the city. He played with a banged-up shoulder in 2021. And while playing injured, his football IQ continued to grow. He's getting that experience. So if you want to see what he's capable of in the run, don't necessarily watch him last year because he had that banged up shoulder. Watch him in 2020. Watch how willing he is to come up in the box and thump somebody at the line of scrimmage and hit a ball carrier. I love this guy's game, and no, it's not just because he played at Penn State. It's not an immediate need. It's not. But this is another guy to me that's kind of a trade-back candidate. Or if he's sitting there at 19 and everybody you love is off the board, I like Jaquan Brisker a lot. He's probably not going to pop up in a lot of minds of Eagles fans, I wouldn't assume. But if he's one of the three names that's called on Thursday, April 28th, I'll be happy as fuck. Moving on to number eight, George Karloftis, edge rusher out of Purdue. This motherfucker's name sounds like a dude that would have played back when Chuck Bednarik was out here laying out Frank Gifford. Um explosive physical edge rusher he's got uh you know you watch him watch his tape his hands and his hips explode off the snap he's got a great bull rush but he utilizes those counter moves effectively as well nice rip nice swim move he's got an ability to redirect the edge he possesses the football iq that's necessary to work back inside as that pocket collapses He's incredibly consistent. That motor stays running all four quarters. That's something you hear. You heard about Miles Garrett when he came out, and you hear that about a lot of dudes. Hey, does he take plays off? Honestly, truth be told, everybody probably does to a degree here and there very sporadically, but you don't see that with Karloftis. It doesn't show up. You never see a lack of effort from him noticeably. Um, His game does need some fine-tuning, though. He struggled against Ohio State, which there's no shame in that, even though fuck them. 
Um, he's not great against the run. He's got some injury history as well. Missed a good amount of the 2020 season. But I think if you're looking for edge rushers, again, Brandon Graham's old coming off a torn ACL. Josh Sweat, I love. But is he an every down pass rusher? Probably not. He's a nice rotational guy. Um, Derek Barnett, okay, but not worth the investment that you made with the 14th overall pick a few years ago. As many edge rushers have been drafted, it's kind of we're at that point where we do kind of have to replenish the cupboard a little bit on the edge. Chris Long's no longer there. Like it, it, Brandon Graham's the best you got, and he's on the verge of retirement. And Josh Sweat, again, I don't think that's an every down pass rusher. Maybe he is. He was a pro bowler this year, but he was a pro bowler because nobody likes playing in the fucking pro bowl anymore. So he was like a ninth alternate. And I'm not trying to shit on Josh Sweat. He went to high school around here. I like him. I love his game. That's one of my favorite draft picks Howie Roseman ever made. But you have to get after the quarterback. And with a team that made, that won its Super Bowl off of dominating in the trenches, both offensively and defensively, if you're looking to keep that identity, you can't just roll with what you got. Take one of these three and get you an edge rusher and call it a day. Number seven. Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. Now, this is a guy who is going to be familiar to a lot of people. He missed a chunk of the 2021 season with a fractured ankle, but he still managed to lead the Trojans in receptions and yards, and he tied in touchdowns, um, tied USC in touchdowns in just eight games. He was on a fucking statistical tear until his injury. He's got nice size, 6'4", 220 pounds. Lengthy and versatile guy that can play outsider in the slot. This is a guy that's a blue-collar wide receiver. He excels at making those contested catches. He can effectively box out defenders. He doesn't have elite top-end speed or separation, but he's more of a mismatch type of, of receiver. He's not a Devontae Smith type, but you put him opposite of Devontae Smith, and it... it to me, I love the dynamic that creates. You already have your blazing speed guy that can take the top off a of defense. You took him last year in Devontae Smith. And even though I wasn't thrilled with that pick at the time, Devontae Smith had a great rookie year. I will give him that. But you can't keep rolling Devontae Smith out there with Jalen fucking Rager and Greg Ward and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and all this shit. You can't do it. So... I get Eagles fans being like, man, are we really going to take another receiver high? Like, there's no way we constantly whiff on him. And I get that. But you have three ones this year. There's a lot of receivers in this draft. That doesn't mean one of the top, one of these three ones has to be spent on it. There's going to be good receivers there in the second round as well. But you can't keep rolling with Devontae Smith and fill in the blank on the perimeter and hope that everything will be okay. It just won't be. I don't give a damn who's quarterback. I really don't. Jalen Hurts, it can be Jesus Christ back there. It doesn't matter. They need to have weapons to throw to, and I love Drake London's ability, his size, and his skill set opposite Devontae Smith. I think that creates an interesting dynamic that you know would help Jalen Hurts or whomever the hell the quarterback is. Who knows? We'll wait and see. Number six. Let's go back to the edge for Trayvon Walker, edge rusher out of Georgia. And he's one of the most polarizing players in this draft class because he's got those elite physical traits, right, that you want. 6'5", 275 pounds. Dude's fucking huge. He's nasty at the point of attack. He's got violent and active hands, which you like to see. He's very, very lengthy. So it makes it hard for an offensive lineman to get their hands on him and be able to latch onto him. Um, he plays with incredible leverage. 
Nice closing speed as well when you get him in space. He doesn't get knocked off his feet very often. He keeps his base to him. He's a guy that's even dropped into coverage a couple times as well. The thing is with Walker is he's still relatively raw in terms of figuring out how to effectively rush the quarterback um, on an every down basis. Those things you can teach. You can teach technique. You can teach counter moves and things like that. It helps if you come with them, sure. But those types of things can be coached. You can't coach the type of size that he has. The things that he comes equipped with as soon as a team drafts him aren't necessarily teachable. So he's very polarizing. You'll see him in a lot of moxies in the top 10. I've seen him going as high as nine to Seattle. I've seen him going 24 to Dallas. He's very rangy. He's all over the place. I think where we're at 15, 19, 15, 16 and 19 is about where you'll probably see him go. I think with three ones, again, that'll be a common theme here is you can kind of roll the dice a little bit with one of them. If you have three, because that gives you multiple to play with. Now, again, Howie Roseman doesn't necessarily have that equity. He hasn't really built that up, but you know, it, it affords you the chance to take a chance on a Trayvon Walker. If you so choose to let's go to the top five. And this is where it gets really, really tough for me coming in at number five. We'll stay in Georgia. N'Kobe Dean linebacker, for the national champions, and look, it, it, watching that game, the Bulldogs, this is one of the guys I most wanted back in January after the national championship. Like, you know, you heard his name, you know him from watching college football, but my God, what an impressive season this guy had. It, it, the thing is, is he lacks the measurables you would want in terms of prototypical size. He's 5'11", about 230, but I get the combine. I do. Like, Kenny Pickett in his hands, that's been a big topic of conversation is can he pick his hands too small look there's a reason dudes call him the underwear olympics right i love the combine i watch it each and every year i love it it satiates the hell out of the football nerd in me it does but at the same time what do you put more stock in you put more stock in a guy's measurables or do you put more stock in his tape size does matter to a degree but also you can get away with having these undersized linebackers now you can and yeah, 5'11", 230. You'd like for him to be six foot, six one, six two, sure. But put his tape on and tell me this guy can't play. He looks like a men among boys out there for the dogs. He's got the best range of any linebacker in this class. He finishes opposing ball carriers. He's effective on a blitz. He crashes gaps with a fucking mean streak to him. He plays fearlessly. This guy's game is is it it was as as good as anybody's this year at the college level. He was a huge part in that Georgia defense and that Georgia national championship run. This is also a team that in free agency and the birds addressed the linebacker position surprisingly with Hassan Reddick. Philly guy went to Temple, was a first rounder picked by Arizona the year the draft was in Philly. I love that signing, I do, but you can't expect Hassan Reddick to do everything you can't. There's three linebacker positions in a 4-3 defense, and we talked about this before. Linebacker is not as important as it once was in this day and age. It's not. Edge rushers and new linebackers, but in corners as well. If anything, you make the argument linebacker is the least important position on defense. Absolutely. But you still need them. You still need them. And N'Kobe Dean is somebody who would immediately upgrade this defense, especially when you couple him with Hassan Reddick. Now, instead of just having, yeah, we got linebackers here. Now you got linebackers. Let's go to number four, back to the perimeter. Traylon Burks, wide receiver out of Arkansas. And 
I love what this guy brings to the table in terms of versatility. He can do everything. He's the most versatile receiver in this class at the college level he was. You can line Burks up anywhere on the field, and he's a potential matchup problem due to his size and his strength. 6'2", 225. He's got huge hands. He's got above-average body control as well for a guy his size. Burks is a polished route runner. He can get to that second gear. The Razorbacks utilized him in a lot of different formations and a lot of different schemes. So he's he's been given the ball. He's been allowed to touch the ball in a lot of different ways. This is a guy that can, anytime you get the ball in his hands, has the ability to make a play. Um, the problem is his combine did not blow a lot of people out of the water, which is insane because his 40 time was a 4.55. It's sad when that is sad for wide receivers, but that's just where we are now. Look, when I played, my 40 time was a 5-6. I also played center. But that's the world we live in now. When you've got edge rushers out of Virginia Tech running a 4-2-8 or whatever it was, that Amari Barno kid, when you got a receiver that's running a 4-5, eh, your, your stock might dip a bit. But, again, to me, I'm always somebody that's going to value tape more than anything. And when I put on Burks's tape, he's got the most exciting tape that you can see. In terms of a perimeter weapon in this class, it's hard to imagine him being a non-factor in the league with as versatile as he is and as creative as offenses can be now. Now it would be on our guy Sirianni to use him creatively and spread the field out and things like that like teams do now. (laughs) But which, I mean, look, hey, I've got faith in our guy, man, as always. But, you know, I that's why I give the edge to Burks over over Drake London. Three, four months ago, that that would have not been the case. But I like the versatility that Burks brings to the table. If you couple that with Devontae Smith as well, you've got explosive offense. Let's go to the top three. I know I just said linebackers weren't very important anymore, but they are. You have to have them. I love this guy. Number three, Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah. I love this dude's game. He can play inside or outside. He's incredibly physical, very aggressive. He had a productive career in Provo. He makes himself at home in opposing backfields. He blitzes incredibly effectively through the gaps or off the edge. He's a sure tackler. This dude racked up tackles at Utah. He never, ever takes his eyes off the ball. His eyes stay in the backfield, which is, that's what you want to see. His eyes are very active, like Mike Singletary. I'm not saying he's going to be Mike Singletary, but he's got everything that you could want in a three-down linebacker in the NFL. You know, and it... He's going to have to adjust his ability to recognize schemes in the NFL. But same thing as we said with N'Kobe Dean. I think if you pair him with Hassan Reddick, now you have forces in the middle of your defense. You just do. You've got guys that can make noise. I prefer Devin Lloyd because he's a short tackler. I love N'Kobe Dean's range. I do. I just give me the guy. I think Devin Lloyd, given his size as well, has the safer, the higher floor of the two at the NFL level. That's why I rank him above N'Kobe Dean. Even if I think N'Kobe Dean might have more potential, Devin Lloyd to me is the safer pick. Number two on the big board. Let's go down to the bayou with Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback out of LSU. Now, much like Trayvon Walker, but for different reasons, he Stingley might be the most polarizing player in this draft. He really might be. Um, six foot, 190 pounds. He's got the size, speed, and explosiveness you want in a cornerback in 2022. He's the fucking prototype to a T. He's lengthy. He's got big hands, great ball skills. If he gets beat, you'll notice that closing burst of his to be able to close separation between him and the receiver. 
He's incredibly athletic technically. Great backpedal. He's got those loose hips to be able to turn and swivel and catch up to a receiver. Consistently looks to beat those underneath routes, those out routes, those slants and things like that. The knock on him is that he hasn't played a full season since the LSU National Championship team two years ago, right? Since then, the last two years, he's only played 10 games. So that's the dilemma with Derek Stingley is, is he closer to what you see on tape in 2019, the year that you know LSU had arguably the best team ever in college football with Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, all those dudes, the Ed Orgeron teams, like that team was gross. And Stingley was a huge reason why. But he hasn't played a whole lot. He's had injuries. So is he going to be able to return to form and be that guy? That's why you'll see him. He was a lock to be a top five pick months ago, last year. Now him falling to 15 is absolutely reasonable. And again, how he doesn't have a track record of taking dudes in the secondary cornerbacks very high in the first round at all. But if you get a dude like Derek Stingley fall into your lap at 15, I think you got to pull the trigger on him. The potential is way too high. The ceiling is way too high. The value is way too tough to pass up, especially in a league where offenses are spreading you out all over the field. And you need more than Darius Slay out there to cover dudes. I love Darius Slay. But pair him with Derek Stingley, and somehow now all of a sudden you have a problem. The secondary that was and has been a weakness for this team suddenly can kind of become a strength. I love Derek Stingley. I think he's absolutely worth taking a chance on if he falls to 15. Number one on my big board, I fucking hate the team he played for, but I love this dude. He's my favorite player in the draft. Tyler Linderbaum, center out of Iowa. Look, I'm partial to centers. I played center. I will own that. But this is my favorite player in the draft, and he'll fill a massive, massive eventual need that this team's going to have. He's got a wrestling background, right? You like to see that along the offensive line. That's that's a thing. That's a consistent theme that happens a lot of times with guys. And you can tell with Tyler Linderbaum, you can see it when you watch him play. He's so technically sound. His strength, the way he utilizes his leverage against opposing defensive linemen. As a center, his snap quickness is so impressive. The way he immediately positions himself off the snap and gets his snap hand exactly where it needs to be going forward. He's so lightning quick. It's something to see if you can appreciate the center position. He's so good at what he does. This guy is as big a lock as there is in the draft, in my opinion, at any given position. I know it's not sexy because he plays center, but this guy will have a 10-12 year at least incredible career. He'll go to three, four Pro Bowls. Um, he's incredibly fluid getting to the second level. You can't find anything wrong uh, with his technique in the way in which he uses his hands, his feet, anything. He drives his guy forward. He's a mauler. The knock on him is that some say he's a little bit undersized at 6'2", 295, but I don't give a shit. Watch the tape. Tape don't lie. Tape don't lie. And this is one of those ones where, to me, like we say, you have three first-rounders this year. You can kind of play with one if you'd like. The center is not an immediate need. Jason Kelsey's going to return for this year. But you cannot understate what Jason Kelsey means to this team in this locker room, in this city even. Eagles fans know it. He's the one that cut the promo in the Mummers costume. It's a Super Bowl parade. Jason Kelsey is pro- – Jason Kelsey's worked his way onto the Mount Rushmore, arguably, of – most beloved, sure, if not best Eagles in the history of this franchise. He's that good, and he's meant that much to this team in this city culturally. He's that culturally relevant. Replacing a guy like that 
is damn near impossible to do. It can crush your locker room when you lose a guy like that. It's like losing the heart and soul of your team. If you replace that guy with a guy of Linderbaum's caliber, not only are you not necessarily taking a step back on the field, but now you don't have dudes looking on the field as if, wow, we've taken a step back at that position as well. Not only do we miss the leadership of Jason Kelsey, but whoever we got in here at center is Cheeks. He can't play as well as him either. Linderbaum could be a future, a future Hall of Famer. Like, it, he's that good. I don't care about the size thing. Put on this guy's tape and watch him work. He's a lock, I'm telling you. I love this dude. I know it doesn't fill an immediate need. This is more of a long-term play, but if he makes it past Minnesota 11, if he makes it past Baltimore at 14, I'm scooping this guy up incredibly quick. Somebody's getting a stud in the first round with him, and I'd love it to be us. If I was Howie Roseman, I couldn't call his name quick enough. I know, again, I hate to be the dead horse. It's not an immediate need thing. You probably will have to redshirt him a little bit for this year. But you know what happens when Kelsey retires? Because Jason Kelsey's been flirting with retirement now for three years. Since the Super Bowl, like, it's going to happen, people. It's going to happen. It's real. And when it does, it's going to suck. Wouldn't you love to have a guy like Linderbaum lined up, ready to go? Dudes like him don't grow on trees. They don't. That's why I've got him at the top of my big board. Give me your thoughts on your big board. Who do you want the birds to draft with the uh, 15th, 16th, and 19th pick? I'll go through my top 10 once again at 10, Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston College. Nine, Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. Eight. George Karloftis, edge rusher out of Purdue. Seven, Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. Six, Trayvon Walker, edge rusher out of Georgia. Five, N'Kobe Dean, linebacker out of Georgia. Four, Traylon Burks, wide receiver out of Arkansas. Three, Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah. Two, Derek Stingley, cornerback out of LSU. And one, Tyler Linderbaum, cornerback out of Iowa. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. You know what's crazy? None of these dudes... None of these dudes are going to be Eagles, though, man. Of course not. None of them. <laughs> of course not. Not a single one of them. And that's not that. Like that's not to say the way this draft is, dude. Like, it's not like if any of these, like if we didn't take any of these dudes, that I would be pissed because I wouldn't be. Like I said, this draft is so jammed up, dude. That like, it. it I, the reason I did a top ten was just to not do like a fucking seven hour episode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. There's so many guys, David Ojabo, the edge rusher out of Michigan. Like, there's a lot of guys, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. There's a lot of dudes that if they took them, I'd be like, I'm good with that, which is very rare for me because normally going into a draft, I'll fixate on like three or four dudes. And I'm like, if it's not one of them and we only have one pick. So having three in this draft being the way it is, like. You're going to get somebody. One of those those will be a hit. Yes. And that like it, it. I'm just hoping, man. I'm just hoping because I don't – I got way too high off the Super Bowl from a GM perspective. I'll admit that. And mm-hmm. then it started to implode. And I'm like, okay, you know, Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson didn't really work out so well. Mm-hmm. That is the worst – like, that is a fucking crime to Eagles fans. So, you know, I just – I I'm – I'm cautiously optimistic for draft night. I can't wait because it's my favorite drug of the year. But, like, I also know sometimes, you know, like, back in the drinking days, you know when the first one wouldn't go down as smoothly as you wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And other times it would go down incredibly smooth, and you'd be like, yo, it's going to be a fun night. Yes. I'm hoping it's going to be, like, number two and not number one. But then again, 
Howie Roseman's the GM, so but uh, who you know, knows? I don't I don't want to take heat off him because Lord knows he deserves it. Not I can say this as just a guy who's lived through this, you know, yeah. through you, right, right, vicariously. <laughs> um, you got three picks. One of them has to be right. That's, That's what I keep odds. telling myself, dude. Like at least one has to be a home run. At least one. Yeah. But I know like it's just it's so weird, dude. Like message boards and comment sections, like meathead guys gonna be like, it would be dumb to take a center. Like would it be though? Cause like I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I'm biased because I played center, but people talk about like the relationship between a quarterback and receiver being mm-hmm. vital, like where does every place start? Yeah. Well, and look, it's been a long time since I paid like real attention to football. Yeah. I make sure to say this as frequent as possible. So you take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But uh, football, even though it's changed to more of a throw game, mm-hmm. is one in the trenches. It, yeah, dude. Line play. No yes. matter what. Yep. Look at the Super important. Bowl. Look at the Super Bowl, man. Like, we said that. Like, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, their offensive line was not the best. And the defensive line of the Rams is a strength of theirs. They've got Aaron Donald, three-time defensive player of the year. If you look at that very last play where the Super Bowl ended, where Joe Burrow kind of threw it at Samaj P. Ryan, like, Aaron Donald getting there when he did is what sealed the fucking Super Bowl for the Rams. Because you look downfield, Jamar Chase had burned Jalen Ramsey. Like, Jamar Chase was wide open. Mm-hmm. If Aaron Donald didn't get there when he did, could be looking history could be looking yeah. way different, Bengals dude. Like first, exactly. Like everything starts like it. If you ever played, and even if you didn't, you hear, games are won and lost in the trenches, man. Mm-hmm. And you can't draft offensive linemen on your fantasy team, so nobody gives a shit. Casual fans yeah. don't, but it's an important position. Yeah, you got to keep your guy upright. That's to the throw tr- the football. Yeah, the trenches are what won the Super Bowl for us. I mean, it not you know it, the defensive line didn't really show up because Brady threw for like nine thousand yards against us in that <laughs> game. But when a play needed to be made, one happened. Like you got to be able to protect your quarterback. You have to be able to get after theirs. Bottom yep. line. Yep. So anyway, more draft talk to come. We've got a month left, so it is actively draft season here on the pod, but it's also peep season. So we will be back next week with more peeps. V will be back next week. Whole crew ready. Uh, Who knows what type of peeps we'll eat. We'll surprise you. We'll surprise ourselves even. Episode 90, 10 away from 100 is coming your way. Right time flies, dude. What the hell, man? Just in time for sweat season. Yeah. Yeah. We get to be hot as hell. Hopefully, I can't hopefully wait. this house won't be as bad as the last one. Uh, dude, right? We'll just put a bunch of box fans in here, man. Yeah. You know, we'll be good. We'll be good the hell with it. You know, we'll make it work. It's what we do. We'll see you here next week on Monday, as is uh, properly, usually, or however you put it. We'll see you then. As always, go birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. Philly. That would be great.